This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold Golden and Gregory. Welcome to Energy Matters, a show about how you can save money on your utility bills, use technology wisely, and live a more sustainable lifestyle. Here's your host, veteran energy regulator and clean energy expert, Commissioner Tim Eccles. Thank you, Scott Slade. It is a great day to be saving money and to use technology and to live a more sustainable life. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters. I'm a commissioner in the state of Georgia. Myself, along with my four colleagues, regulate energy, including regulating our power company, Georgia Power and Atlanta Gaslight. Casey is my co-host today, Casey Boyce. Tell us about yourself, Casey. Hey, Tim. Good to be with you and your listeners again. So I'm with a company called Escalant that uh, helps companies, including energy utilities, understand their customers better. And you're at Twitter. I'm at Casey Boyce on Twitter, and I live in the great city of Decatur. And I'm Tim Eccles, and I live in Jackson County, Georgia. Our guest for this show, Brian Batson with Atlanta Gas Light. Brian, welcome to the show. Welcome, Tim. Glad to be here. And we record this show in Athens, Georgia. I'm a triple dog, uh, and you didn't go there. You went up the road to a little place called Clemson. You're starting that way, Tim. Correct. Huh? Yeah, yes. I, I got to start I'm a Clemson this way. man. I'm surrounded <laughs> and, by the SEC. May, you know what? I may have my producer pull his microphone over because he he's a he's also a, a sports DJ here uh, at, at at Cox Media. Uh, I mean, I know this is tough, Logan, having a Clemson guy in the studio. You know, if there was a team out there that uh, I guess we could root for that's not in the SEC, I know we're not supposed to like Clemson, the whole 80s rivalries and all that, but I'll say the younger generation of Georgia fans, I think we got a a good deal of respect for Clemson. I'll I'll say this, we have Clemson envy. I wish we could beat Alabama like they do. I wish we could hoist a couple of national championship trophies. So, hey, he's good in my book. You did before us. We did. I was in Clemson <laughs> in 81, and you got it in 80, and we right. got it in 81. Yeah, so. and I was at UGA in 81, and I got to see Herschel Walker live, and I got to get travel to New Orleans and, and see the hoisting, and uh, it, it was it was an exciting time, a, a time that we hope soon returns. What was it like going to Clemson? I mean, we got Georgia Tech sitting there, and you, you of course, office uh, about a mile from Georgia Tech. How is Clemson different than Georgia Tech? I think much more rural. I call it like it's a city built, much somewhat like Athens. It's a city built, a school is built around the city, and the city's built around the school. And so it's more rural. It's more everything in the city, like Athens is everything Georgia, and Clemson is everything Clemson Tigers. So it's different than whereas Georgia Tech survives at a great metropolitan city, but they're part of the city. They're not totally what the city's about that's how i view it you know as i think about greenville spartanburg and all the industry up up that uh, i-85 corridor is clemson really a go-to uh institution for a lot of the engineering needs in that in that corridor most definitely if you ride up and down 85 you'll see the paul on several buildings and if you think about the impact really bmw's moving into greenville the economic development that that spurred and you had all the spin spinoffs from that. That started to create the metropolis now of Greenville Spartanburg as it grows together. And really the technology jobs that come out of Clemson, they work hand in hand. They have students that work over in the varying places. Because think about all the high tech jobs associated with the automotive industry, as we have here in Georgia as well. But that's Clemson plays in that a lot. BMW has been such a game changer. For South Carolina, I was told, I guess, by the BMW North American president at, at some event that I went to, that it is the largest factory that they have. It's, it's, it is ginormous. It, it is huge. And you only need to look at the Greenville Airport to know you can go nonstop to Germany to know it's a big deal. And wow. another fun fact, they're the largest exporter of American-made cars by dollar value. Wow. Uh, Casey, you drive a BMW i3. I went to Munich not too long ago uh, on a on an energy conference trip uh, with the German American Chamber and had a chance to go to the BMW Welt, I guess they call it, which Welt. is their their experience center, which is across from the factory where they make the seven series. Yep. It's also across the street from the museum. I mean, BMW. It feels like BMW owns <laughs> owns the town in Munich. Well, they, they do, yeah. 
Yeah. So you've had a great experience with the i3. Are you a you know are you a, a BMW fan or did you just happen to buy the car? No, no, I am. I I've been a BMW fan since uh, spending some time in Germany near one of their other uh, manufacturing plants in Bavaria, um, and uh, but have really enjoyed driving the electric car. But Brian, you don't drive an electric car. What do you drive? I, I don't. I drive a natural gas Civic. So it's totally dedicated. Uh, it runs on. It's a 2014 natural gas Civic. And I can go about 300 miles in range, so I don't have any severe range envy or limitations that create great concern. I drove up here in it today, and I'll drive back to Atlanta. It You would not know the difference until you open the field door to say, hmm, wonder what that is, and how would I fill that up? Other than that, it looks just like a normal Civic. So has that caused any problems for your family when they go to fill it up? It has not, because they let me do all the fill-ups. <laughs> um, so that's really <laughs> They're not <a> smart. <laughs> but uh, the reality is you don't. they really don't get involved in filling it up. I might hook up at work, since I work for a natural gas company. There are several fast fill stations in Buford. I visit my parents in South Carolina. I can fill up at Piedmont Station there. So it hasn't been limiting at all. So I, I've had a chance to see that fill-up equipment in your, your deck there, um, probably seen your car hooked up. Um, but for, for listeners uh, at, at home, can you kind of describe what that natural gas fueling equipment looks like? Yeah, it's a very simple valve. And what you have a little female coupling that clips onto the male on the car, and it slow fills. So it's very slow. You get about a gallon an hour while you're parked there overnight or during the day at work, you can put a slow fill in your garage, but really with the fast fills that are available today, I don't think you're constrained by needing that. It might be nice to have, but you can pull up on Buford Highway, just like you would pull up to a gas station and fill up. There's one on Whitehall Street. There's numerous places about the state. And I don't think you're constrained on anything where you want to go. You drive to Asheville, plenty of stations. Drive to Greenville, plenty of stations. You do have to get the app for that. Okay. So that you know where so, you so can So what stop. app is that, that? It's just a CNG gas. Oh, okay. You, you, you put it on your, it'll show you where they are, how far away they are, and it'll give you directions if you need it. But again, uh, if I visit my parents in Greenville, South Carolina, I might leave. It's 140 miles there. It's 140 miles back. I don't fill up till I get to Greenville. And, then come home. So no, no, no constraints. So we, we've talked on the show before about how EV drivers save a lot of money over gas car uh, owners. What's the cost look like for fueling up a natural gas vehicle? Well, I would say the cost is very similar. It's cheaper. Natural gas is still a cheaper fuel. But here's the thing that I think people miss is the ability to access me, myself. I can get in the HOV lane solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you drive in Atlanta at five o'clock, you know what that means. Oh, yeah. When if you live in Gwinnett, it's free to go in the HOV lane. So there are people that are paying, I assume, seven dollars each way each day. So fourteen dollars a day just for lane access, it's free in an alternative vehicle. So an EV would give you that same access. Yeah, you do that, right, Tim? And yeah. so would the natural gas car. And in essence, that's free. Your people are spending probably close to $200 a month for lane access if they're really heavy users, and this is free. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, uh, I was running for office in 2010, uh, I won the primary runoff, and very quickly, AGL came to me feeling, I guess, like I was going to win, win the election and began to educate me about CNG. I knew nothing about CNG in 2010. I wound up taking a trip to, uh, to Los Angeles to see how they were using it, uh, waste management, all the trash facilities. I began to uh, see that, wow, CNG is something that not only is cheaper and cleaner, but it's really helping a lot of these large cities like L.A. and Atlanta. When uh, Brian and the, Brian and them took me over to MARTA and showed me all the MARTA buses running on it, and I got so excited about it, I said, "I need to, I need to experience this." And in case you've known me long enough to know that I'm a slow learner and that I have to that, that I have slow. to try, yeah, <laughs> I have to try these things out, and so. I bought this 1999 Honda Civic. It was white, fairly plain, had air conditioned, power locks. But I drove that car, Brian, for two years. And, and I mean, you guys were kind of mentoring me with that. You were telling me where I could get fuel. And if I was driving to Savannah and there wasn't places to fill, you, you know, you knew these little secret places to fill at these different cities that would, that would help me out. And I gained just a a great appreciation for the technology, how clean it was, 
and, uh, and, and the infrastructure that we needed in order to help not only commuters use it, but, but mainly businesses that are the big takers. Right, Brian? Businesses like Absolutely. UPS and waste trucks, those are the ones using this. Yeah, the people that are really gravitating to natural gas right now are the, what I'll call like a dump truck, a concrete truck, all the big units. UPS has a lot of them. The buses, if you look at downtown Atlanta, you don't smell diesel fumes. You're not sitting in traffic going, boy, that smells like a diesel bus. It's not. It's compressed natural gas. But I do think that's really, you pointed out, it's really important that America has the ability to use so many. So there's no one answer. Everything is part of the solution as we sort of make our country and our world a little more environmentally friendly everything's a piece a stacking block and a building block for it and so natural gas is part of that solution it's not the only solution i do think if i lived in town and just had to go a few miles a day every day every way an electric car might be a better option but the reality is it takes a little bit of everything and you have almost driven everything now when i look at the things you've driven you've driven propane you've driven natural gas you've driven evs so you're almost a, a walking billboard for what america can do if they choose to and you know as a commissioner regulating different types of energy i felt like I needed that anecdotal experience, that personal experience to be able to to be able to speak about it and know what what works about it and what doesn't work. But Brian, I just want to commend you as we wrap wrap up this first segment uh, on driving the technology that you're selling, uh, on, on 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 living it, walking the walk, not just talking, and that that means so much. Thanks, I, I really appreciate you doing well, that. Well, thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, well, stick around. We're going to continue our discussion with Brian Batson uh, from Atlanta Gaslight. I'm Tim Eccles, my host today, Casey Boyce. We'll be right back. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. Gas South. The difference is good. BMVW is the place in Metro Atlanta to get your used hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or fully electric car. They're located on the south side near the airport, but it is well worth the drive. Go online to look at their inventory at ev-hybrid.com and set up a time to see the vehicle or even drive it for up to three days. I don't know of anywhere else in Metro Atlanta that you can do that. That's ev-hybrid.com, the best deal in town. ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by Arnold, Golden, and Gregory, an AmLaw 200 law firm with 180 attorneys in Atlanta and Washington, D.C. They take a business sensibility approach when advising clients. They provide industry knowledge, attention to detail, transparency, and value to help businesses and individuals achieve their definition of success. AGG subscribes to the belief not if, but how. We thank John Gornall and all the attorneys and staff at AGG for sponsoring our show. Welcome back. I'm Tim Eccles, the host of Energy Matters. Good to have you with us today. My co-host today, Casey Boyce. Howdy. Great to have you, Casey. You're Glad at Casey Boyce on Twitter. I am. I'm at Tim Eccles, the shows at Matters Radio. In the studio with us today, Brian Batson. And Brian, we've been wanting to get you in the studio for about a year since we've been doing this show. And we really appreciate you driving out uh, because you've worked for atlanta gas light for a long time haven't you uh, 35 years yeah tell us about your kind of career path with agl great i graduated clemson university in 1984 a lot of people may not remember but during that time there were almost no jobs and i had two job offers so it wasn't hard to decide it was charlotte or atlanta i picked atlanta and so you you got started in what aspect of the company uh a field operations they were hiring engineers to come in and work in the operating centers just to start learning the business and that was a target that they did and uh, it put us out in the field with the employees and with the customers to understand what do we do as a business 
Casey, at the time he started, uh, the company was fully regulated, much like Georgia Power is today, but all that changed, didn't it, in 1997? Yeah, so the, the market in 97 was deregulated and, and consumers had the opportunity to uh, to pick their provider. Brian, maybe you could talk a little bit about kind of what that means for consumers today, help our listeners understand like what a deregulated market is and, and what Atlanta Gaslight does in a deregulated market. It is unique, and I think what you would think of is we deliver the gas for all the marketers. So our customers can pick whatever marketer that they want. There's a list of them on the PSC website. So you can go see pricing. You can go see specialties that they have. Some of them special. Some of them people will give you Delta Airline miles, and some people will give you a better deal. Or hmm. some people will give you better rates if you're commercial. Some people will give you better rates if you're residential. There's a little bit of everything for people to choose from. You can choose who you want. In the end, they simply pay us a fee to take the gas that they purchase and put on our system and deliver it to the home. So we're paid a flat fee to deliver that gas. And then the, they deal with the marketers on what kind of customer service you want, how often you want to get billed, all the things that are important to the customer, they deal with the marketer. Our goal is to deliver, make a safe, reliable system and deliver the natural gas to the home. So you guys maintain and and uh, own all of the, the pipes and the pumps and the valves and all of that good stuff. Most of everything you don't see, we maintain. We do maintain the meters and things that you see at your house above ground, but most of our infrastructure is pipe under the ground, moving the gas across the state of Georgia. So is there ever any reason that a, a customer needs to interact with Atlanta Gaslight? Uh, they would first obviously call us in case of an emergency if they smell gas or if they had a leak obviously they could do that if they want some rebates and things like that we have atlantagaslight.com they can go onto our website and say wow i'd like to buy a water heater do you have a rebate for that and we do have things on our website and that's unique because that's good for all gas customers Mm -hmm. so we have those types of things so they don't interact with us a lot if they have a question about our portion of the bill Usually the marketer can answer it, but if it's more unique, they may talk to us. So typically they're dealing with their marketer, but we're there if the customer needs us. Very cool. So uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, call if, if folks have, uh, you know, smell natural gas. And um, to take a little diversion here, I have some friends that were uh, out uh, of town for the holidays and they got home and their house smelled like natural gas really, really bad. And they called you guys and, and they said that a field tech was out in 20 minutes Turns out they had a loose line going to their stove. You know, he, he did everything that he needed to. Everything was all right. But they were very, very uh, pleased that you guys came out so quickly. I think this was New Year's Day or something like that. <laughs> well, first of all, it's a focus. It's where we put our focus. The commission wants us to put our focus there. Uh, and even lately, we've tried to reduce the time that it takes to respond. And our target is to be there within 25 minutes. That's the target. We continue to work on that. Sometimes we're a little more. Sometimes we're a little faster, as Mm -hmm. in your case. But we put the smell into the gas. Gas would be colorless, odorless. You would not know natural gas was there. We put a chemical into it called mercaptane that smells really bad like a rotten egg. Mm -hmm. We want you to go, what is that? And call. So our customers should never hesitate to call us. We want you to feel safe. We want you to be reliable. We have a safe, reliable product, and we want to be there quickly to help you figure out what's going on. And our folks will find out what it is. And if it's real simple, they'll fix it for you right there. If it's something that would require more work, they may give you a heat and air folks that you could call or tell you what's going on, and then you can get it fixed yourself. Yeah, well, that's great. Like I said, my, my friends were very happy to see your, your folks out there so quickly. So, uh, so thanks for that. We have great men and women that respond. And they want the customer to feel comfortable, and they want to get there fast. And usually when you're anxious and someone drives up that knows what they're doing, I don't care what it is in life, that's a good feeling. Yeah. So I I had a chance to go to uh, Monroe, which is not too far from our studio, to kind of a safety training facility that was built here in Georgia to provide first responders with training in how to deal with natural gas accidents and they were showing me some of the things that they did in the training uh, because it is highly specialized in knowing how to do this there were there were things like don't ring the doorbell if there's a gas leak because that spark could set off something how much of a challenge is it to to train a volunteer fire department or first responders throughout an entire state like georgia with 159 counties well the good news is is we have people who specialize in that and so they go and are always meeting with the fire captains and the fire chiefs and providing training and education because it is important also it's very encouraging we have a good emergency response system here in Georgia. They are well-trained. They do want to know. Since it's in their DNA, 
they they learn it quick they get it they do ask us questions i mean they do ask the expert and that's smart but we provide training for them very few places in america have as much liquefied natural gas as we have here in the state of georgia so we train them on that as well so georgia's unique it's very powerful energy hub in the southeast and so we make the benefit of that available casey have you ever seen one of those liquefied natural gas demonstrations have you had a chance to not no uh, you know i went down to elba island in georgia and uh, it it was a place back in the day where we were importing natural gas this was before the shale revolution Mm -hmm. and before uh hydraulic fracturing hydraulic uh drilling uh and they they brought out they brought out this little thermos, right? This little metal thermos, and they had a little metal metal plate, and they poured this steaming liquid into the this plate, and they said, "This is liquefied natural gas." So all this all this smoke, steam, or whatever I didn't know what it was was coming off of this, and they said, "You know, this is minus two hundred and sixty three degrees or something hmm. like that." And I'm sitting there shaking my head, and then he pulls out a lighter. Okay. <laughs> he pulls out this lighter. I'm going, whoa, 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 wait a second. And he he lights the lighter and puts it around the edge of the plate and, and, and it lights up, but when he when he pulls it back, it stops. Really? And and they were doing Brian, you've seen this demonstration. I've I'm, done it. My one of my first jobs as a young engineer was to take the thermos and go to middle school. So <laughs> I was, Oh my goodness. And you know what was the biggest hit? Uh uh-uh. uh. If you took a fishing worm and dipped it in LNG it would become like crystal glass, and you drop it, and it shattered a million pieces. And then 30 12-year-olds kill each other to get a piece of it as it thaws back out. So it's always interesting what you're learning like. Oh, my goodness. But it's the equivalent of, like, liquid nitrogen. So, you, yeah. you know, you can dip a banana and drive a, drive a nail. You can dip a banana in liquid natural gas and drive a nail. I, too bad this is radio. We need some, some like, visuals. visuals. Yeah. This is. Hey, if, I can find, if I can find a little YouTube video of uh, a liquefied natural gas demonstration i'll pop it up at matters radio so check check our twitter feed today but brian these these ginormous tanks you have it down in riverdale where i grew up i i I used to walk my bird dog on your natural gas line um, uh, because it came right behind my house in riverdale but these elba island tanks uh you can put uh even though they don't look that big i mean they are giant but they don't look like they could service a whole community or whatever. But that gas, when it when it's liquefied, it really gives you greater capacity. Six hundred to one. Six hundred to one. So when you see that tank, there's six hundred units of natural gas once it comes out of liquid and turns into natural gas. That's why there is a focus on LNG in the shipping industry and in the cross country trucking industry. Because you think about when you see that barrel on the side of the truck. There's, you multiply it by 600, that's how much fuel you have in the truck. Hmm. Wow. Do you, do you anticipate a day, Brian, when most of the container ships and other ships that, that go across the sea will run on liquefied natural gas or, or not really? Yes, I think the main focus will be that 100-mile limit within the U.S. where there's environmental constraints, and the diesel is not going to meet that. And so we now see ships building with enough LNG to operate within inside the coastal parameters. They may change once they get out into the open sea, but that's definitely happening. Uh, we own part of a company that works out of Jacksonville LNG. That, that's what they do is fuel LNG ships out of bunkers. And so, just like a vehicle, they can run the, the engine on LNG just as they do with bunker right. fuel. It's a, huh. just like a diesel, except it's immeasurably clean. That's right? very so, cool. So the ships would be dual fuel, kind of like some of your trucks that that w- that might show up to light someone's uh, uh, furnace, right? That's right. We have dual fuel vehicles out there, meaning that they might crank on regular gasoline. They can run on regular gasoline, but they can switch over uh, if they need to. Uh, it gives us a lot of mileage, and it gives us a very efficient, uh, clean burning fuel. I mean, natural gas is part of the environmental answer for the U.S. It's a cleanest, one of the cleanest burning fuels that we have. I do realize it's a carbon fuel. But if you look at the USA Today, uh, it's probably as clean as it's ever been, and it's because you've replaced coal with natural gas. And so in the electric generation world, that is cleaning up the air just by using natural gas for that. 
Casey, when we come back with Brian, I, I want to keep him over uh, yet another segment because this is, this is fascinating. I want us to talk a little bit about this transition from coal to natural gas, the positive impact that it's had on greenhouse gas uh, in, in our country. We can talk about some of the other trends uh, that we're seeing and how California is kind of viewing natural gas as, as the new coal. we got and, a lot to and, talk about. Yeah, and, and how baffled I am that they're doing that i'm at tim eccles on twitter casey i'm at casey boyce on twitter so stick around we'll have great conversation with brian batson when we come back creative solar usa is a georgia-based turnkey installer of innovative solar panel systems they're dedicated to energy solutions for both your home and business with their nabsep certified installers they ensure their clients receive the highest quality of solar energy systems in the industry Contact CSUSA today at 770-485-7438 or go to creativesolarusa.com. Hey, this is Tim Eccles. We talk all the time on Energy Matters about buying a used EV instead of a new one. Let someone else pay the depreciation. BMVW Auto Sales, one of our show sponsors, can fix you up. Go to their website at ev-hybrid.com to see the ever-changing inventory. BMVW has every brand, every type of EV, and they'll even let you test drive it for three days, show you how to charge it and drive it for maximum performance. That's ev-hybrid.com, ev-hybrid.com. This episode of Energy Matters is sponsored by BMVW Auto Sales. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm Tim Eccles, your host. I'm a public service commissioner in Georgia. I, along with my colleagues, regulate natural gas and electricity and telecommunication and pipeline safety here. My co-host today, Casey Boyce. Hey, Tim. I'm uh, at Casey Boyce on Twitter. I work with a company called Escalant, uh, helping uh, companies understand their customers better. And we're joined today by Brian Batson, who is the president of Atlanta Gaslight. And Brian, we were just talking on the last segment about how if uh, people smell natural gas, which kind of smells like rotten eggs, right? They need to call you immediately. Do you have the number that folks should call if they smell that? Absolutely. So it's 877-427-4321. I'll do it once more, 877-427-4321, and we'll send somebody out to make sure your house is safe. That's we great. are a great product. We want to keep it safe for you. And, and, Brian, why is that a better number than, like, calling your local police department or fire department or 911? What does that trigger when they call that number? Well, we will in- immediately dispatch. If they call 911, it will get routed back over to us to do this. So it's sort of making a shortcut for you. But 911 is an acceptable option, too. If you don't want to know what our number is and you just know 911, they're going to hook it back into us and we're going to send somebody out to check it out. You know, before we get into some of the, some of the political uh, vibes going on around our country regarding natural gas and other fuel, I, w- I want to kind of talk about planning a little bit and what you guys have to do in order to get enough gas here. Uh, you know, folks that listen regularly know I have seven children, big family, and Uh, The other day, we were having a a big family meal, and we were trying to determine how many rotisserie chickens to buy. That's a difficult problem. In order to – and we were having a salad, so everybody's on uh, on these diets. And so we were were just wanting to have pieces of the chicken. And so we were were trying to figure out – and we miscalculated. So, Brian, if I'm miscalculating – you know, for my little clan of seven plus, you know, uh, plus spouses, plus children, how difficult is it to plan and order natural gas that's coming from Pennsylvania or Oklahoma or Louisiana, invisible, through a pipe, uh, you know, for industry, for, for homeowners? How difficult is it to do that planning and how do you do it? It's a long-term plan and we followed that down at the commission every three years that shows we've looked out to see what customers are going to need see how much gas they're going to need and show how we have the capacity. If you think of Atlanta Gaslight and you think of the roads in Atlanta, our job is to have the pipes available. In other words, to build the lanes for the cars to move on. If you think of the cars as natural gas and the lanes as the pipe, the marketers are launching their cars into the lane to bring the gas from wherever they're bringing it from on your behalf. They've bought it and they're delivering it. And we have to make sure we have enough lanes for January 15th, just like I-85, if you go through uh, Atlanta, you know, at midnight, 
not too bad usually on the highway because you got lots of lanes and lots of room. But at five o'clock, it can bog down. And our natural gas system is like that. On the coldest day of the year, everybody wants their heat on and everybody's heat is on. And so our system has to be built for that. And that's what our demand charge is for. We build a system for you, our customer, to be sure you have gas available on the coldest day of the year. Heat your home, heat your water, cook your grill, rotisserie your chicken, whatever you want to do, we want you to be able to do it. But we have to plan out years in advance to be sure we sign contracts to deliver that capacity. So Tim, it sounds like you need a three-year planning process for the Echo Holiday Meals. (laughs) Maybe file it with the PSC or something. My goodness. (laughs) (laughs) You know, as I think about you guys doing this planning, Brian, and I I do sit there in the hearings and I I am always just amazed at how it all works, but the importance of it and why energy matters when it comes to natural gas and natural gas planning is that if you lose pressure on those pipes and furnaces begin to go out, it's not like an electric smart meter where they can flip a switch. You've actually got to roll a truck right to every single house and individually relight those right it's the critical difference between electric and gas on recovery from usage and and, you know being part of southern company and georgia power it's hard for them to imagine you know if they lose ten thousand customers not a they don't like it but maybe not as big a deal they can cut it back on we would have to go to all ten thousand homes cut every gas meter off then go back to every home and cut every gas meter back on at about 30 minutes per visit maybe 45 minutes per visit wow weeks yeah casey this is uh, this is something I, I think that's lost on the average customer not everybody has natural gas in their home but a lot of people do a lot of people prefer it especially for cooking uh, they feel like it is a warmer heat than than, than a heat pump and they they prefer it but this extra effort that's involved, I mean, it has to be paid for. Well, and, and it's something that customers definitely notice, too. I mean, I, Brian's not kidding that it takes quite a while to restore after an outage. I was actually at, at one of our clients that's a natural gas utility in the Northeast, and they had a significant outage which impacted most of a state. And this was during the coldest, uh, one of the coldest days in January a couple of years back. Well, people were without their heat for about a week as they went back house by house to turn off and turn back on that gas and and relight. So, yeah, it's an expensive and time-consuming process, and people notice when it's cold and there's no heat. Brian, we mentioned this liquefied natural gas and and these big tanks that you have around the state uh, that's a 600 to 1 uh, uh, ratio. Uh, That's a part of the planning process, right? Are you, on a cold day, are are you, are you then liquefy or or gasifying that gas and actually having customers use that gas that you've stored up? Absolutely. And because on that coldest day, you can't buy enough gas to serve Georgia. So we have to go to the tanks where we have it stored, turn it from liquid back into gas and send it out. Wow. And and there are other ways that states store gas, right? You guys have used – tell us a little bit about this geologic storage, a, a cavern or something like That's that. That's right. There's underground caverns between us and Texas, uh, and what they do is they take the gas, push it down underground, sort of natural. It might be a salt dome, so it can be, to be a natural hole in the ground, so to speak. Or it might be a rock formation that was an old water quarry, and then they can push it down and hold it underground. And it's sealed because it's sort of naturally sealed. And then when they need the gas, they bring it out. And we own storage because, again, you can't buy enough flowing gas on January the 15th. Let's just pick a day. You can't buy enough gas to satisfy Georgia. So we then call to the the underground storage and say, we need this many units of our storage today. We go to our LNG tank, turn it on, and say, we need this many units running from and it's what you would think we will turn it on about 6 a.m and run it about nine till people go to work and then it sort of eases off and the sun comes up and then when people come home you may have to run again wow complicated uh, a lot of logistics involved casey it's not it's not an easy thing and i you know and i don't know how to help consumers um realize the sophistication of all this i mean most folks aren't interested frankly in learning about the sophistication they really just want the stuff to work when they want it don't yeah, they absolutely well and and you know most people you know like i said they, they care if it's cold 
they don't necessarily care how you keep it warm, right? Yeah, well, that's that's right. So, and I, and I guess Brian, that's what they're electing me and my colleagues to do is to make to work with your company and these marketers to make sure that this is working. And if and if it ever is not working, and if it's not working on a consistent basis enough, and customers are disgruntled and unhappy, they're just apt to send me home and have me do something else. Well, and we're charged by the commission to make sure that we deliver. And we're the one to do the planning. It should be simple. You should go to your thermostat, turn up your heat, it should come on. You should go to your shower, turn on your hot water, and it should be there. And I'm the one that needs to not sleep at night trying to make sure that all that's happening. That's the process. I mean, that's the way the customer should experience is They should get what they've paid for. And the reality is you do have to pay for those uh, capacity or those pipes year round and you're usually calling on it for the worst part of the year in january but that's just the way it works so brian maybe you can talk a little bit about and in full disclosure to our listeners uh you know i've got the opportunity to work with your company um uh, among others and one of the things that's really impressed me you talked earlier about the role that atlanta gaslight has in the georgia market that you own and maintain the pipes you deliver the gas right but the fact that you guys are really focusing on the customer experience and really being empathetic towards customers, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing and why that matters for a company like yours? Absolutely. What we want you to do is when you call, we want to be able to get you the service. Um, and we're trying to improve that every month of every year. And our, one of our latest things we've just put in and we're rolling it out statewide over the next year is called KMI, Keep Me Informed. And so you know, in today's world, and I'm like everybody else, you know, I decide I want something, I pull out the phone, I just click on Amazon, and it's on my front porch. For tomorrow. sure. So that's what we're used to. Uh, in this case, if you schedule a turn on uh, for gas, what we will do now is we'll then send you a text that says, hey, we scheduled your turn on. Mm-hmm. We'll send you a text the night before it says we're coming tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We'll send you a text the same day. It says don't forget today's the day. And then when our field service representative, he or she gets in the truck to head to your house from my house, they send you a text that says Brian is on his way. Yeah. Well, and, and you guys also have a, a process in there because you, you talked about the commitment to safety and getting out there, but you'll let folks know if someone gets pulled off for a safety thing, right? So they're not sitting around waiting, We call right? it concierge service. If go. all of a sudden our person got pulled off from going to your house, somebody's going to call you and tell you who's coming next and when. Wow. This kind of customer experience, I think Brian is right, Casey. Customers expect it today. I Absolutely. Mean, uh, you know, the Sears folks who work on my grill, they use the same keep me informed type of system. And as a consumer, I really appreciate that because I, I you know, I, I do value my time, you know, and I want others to value my time. And I feel like that our utilities are really taking this seriously now. And, and but it, it but it costs money to run systems like that. And and we want to provide Georgians with with that system uh, and and have the kind of customer experiences that we're talking about today. Well, stick around. We're going to keep Brian over one more segment. We didn't get to pick on our California friends, and we're going to do that in the next segment. I want to continue to talk about how natural gas is making all the difference in our state. Stick around. I'm Tim Eccles. This is Energy Matters. The electric car revolution is coming, and the choices are growing. Gem cars are everywhere. You've seen these low-speed electric vehicles on college campuses, downtown Atlanta streets, and resort islands like St. Simons and Jekyll. Gem cars are street legal, equipped with seatbelts, headlights, and a tag, and can operate on roads with speed limits of 35 miles per hour or less. If you want to know more about these electric cars and trucks, six-passenger shuttles, mobile repair service, or full vehicle wraps, go to GemCarService.com. That's G-E-M, CarService.com. Tim Eccles here for Solar Sun World. No doubt you've seen solar panels popping up all over Georgia. If you want the precision of German engineering when it comes to solar, Solar Sun World is for you. The folks there understand the complexities of solar and how to make it work. From tax credits to inverters to accelerated depreciation, they'll unpack it all. They've been in business for over 25 years. To find out more, go to SolarSunWorld.com. That's SolarSunWorld.com. Welcome back to Energy Matters. I'm your host, Tim Eccles. I'm on the Georgia Public Service Commission. Regulate energy here in Georgia with my four colleagues. We've got in the studio my co-host today, Casey Boyce. Hey, Casey. Howdy, Tim. Man, has it ever been a great show with Brian today. It's been a lot of fun. And we've got Brian Batson from Atlanta Gaslight back 
for our final segment. We've been talking about this little old thing, Brian, called reliability. And it is the R word that I use all the time. I get, you know, I get trashed on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever by by my left coast friends or uh, or, or others from New York or other places. We'll get back to them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but reliability is so important and we've been talking about these factors that go into it this liquefied storage that atlanta gaslight has and uh the 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 different locations they're bringing the gas from but brian i wanted to ask you about this these interruptible customers that when gas was deregulated in georgia in 1997 i'm assuming that the interruptible piece of it came early maybe not what what's the history behind having interruptible customers and how does that work interruptible customer it's a very symbiotic relationship we have super large customers like a paper mill or some manufacturing process that they have the ability to run on other fuels none of them are as clean or as good as natural gas but they can do it and so what they agree in order to get a much cheaper price and and a discount what they do is they buy their gas themselves and we deliver it for them on the days when we have capacity on those coldest few days of the year on the mornings as i mentioned like 4 a.m when it's super cold we can call that plant and say we need you to not use any gas today they will switch to another fuel, and that gas will be available to make sure our customers have a reliable service on those coldest days. So everybody's – it's good for business, it's good for jobs, and it's good for our customers. Does, you know, we talked about when a customer, uh, you know, their gas goes out or if there's loss of pressure, and we hardly ever have that happen in Georgia. But when a, an interruptible customer – curtails their use do you all have to go out there and light their furnaces and all that or do they have their own system no they have their own people and their own system and that's why it works for everybody we simply make a phone call we notify them we give them advance notice it's not i call you and say do it in five minutes we'll call them the night before say tomorrow morning we're going to need you to interrupt wow and so that helps us get the capacity is that the right word yeah, the so capacity you have all we that need? all that gas that was going to make a widget or to make paper they're using a fuel oil or something else a diesel fuel to actually run their system and the natural gas is going to the homes to keep it warm wow casey uh, we we kind of teased in uh, earlier segments of the show oh, I've been today chomping at the bit over here tim yeah that we were going to uh take a whack or two at, at california and some other places i mean i do love my friends in california i do think california is doing a lot right uh, but uh, Casey, kind of set this up for us where California is going in terms of natural yeah, gas. Yeah, and, and you know, it's not just California, Tim, but it, it, this did start in California. So, um, uh, Berkeley, California, everyone's favorite uh, punching bag, um, but but they passed legislation that said new homes can't have a natural gas hookup, that it's got to be all electric. And kind of the policy idea behind it was, look, if we're really serious about tackling climate change, natural gas is a fossil fuel. It emits CO2. We've got to stop using it uh, to to bring our emissions down, right? So uh, they made that policy decision. It was followed by a couple of other California towns. Um, Brookline, Massachusetts has also um, put something like that in place. And so in, in my role working with utilities across the country, I've talked to a lot of natural gas utilities, not just on the coasts, uh, but even in the heartland that are saying, this is really concerning, right? We've invested in this big infrastructure that we use to safely and reliably deliver this natural gas. And if we can't deliver that to customers, that has a negative impact on our business. So I'm curious, Brian, kind of what, what your take is on on this and, and how you're thinking about this as, as president of a gas company. My view is our customers should have a choice. And you shouldn't take choices away when it comes to energy. If you look at since 2005, 61% of the reduction in the carbon in the U.S. is due to being able to switch from coal to natural gas. So natural gas, yes, it's a carbon-based fuel, but it's still part of the solution. There will be no one solution, one energy to run this country. It takes all of it, and we should not be taking options off the table. We should be adding options. You look at communities that don't have natural gas, we're highest on their list if we need it 
for economic development and for jobs and for attraction. The customers can choose for themselves what's the best right answer. We shouldn't take away their options. And so we had some conversation during the break about, you know, exactly what you said, kind of the hunger for natural gas, for economic development. And, and one of your sister companies, NICOR up in Illinois, uh, has a, a community, Pembroke Township, that's that's asking, uh, you know, NICOR to run lines out there for economic development. Is there a distinction between, you know, using natural gas for industrial processes and creating jobs uh, and, and, you know, in economic development and using natural gas for consumption in a home? I still think the consumption of the home is still a highly efficient use. It ha- allows our customers to have lower bills than they would if they were on total electric systems. And it's more comfortable. I mean, your natural gas furnace is warmer and your hot water gets here quicker. And if you ever put in one of, of our tankless water heaters that, our, that people make, uh, you'll never go back because you never run out. Yep, and as a house it is great. where I'm the only male, that's a good thing. <laughs> as I think about my one of my trips to Germany, uh, I guess back in 2012, one of the things, Brian and Casey, that I learned in talking with the economic development people in Germany, and these were these were Germans who worked, you know, uh, in that part of the the ministry or the government, is that they said that there were a lot of manu- German manufacturers that were moving certain operations over to the United States because of how cheap the natural gas was, and we really haven't talked about. Uh, the impact that uh, that that fracking has had, that the that the shale gas revolution has had, but these German companies like BMW, like BASF, like Siemens, and other companies, uh, because gas is so expensive there, uh, and they're very beholden to the Russians, and the gas is coming coming from from Russia, uh, and they're moving some of these processes over. Over here, not too far from Clemson, to where uh, where you went to school uh, at the BMW plant, uh, they're firing part of that I three and sending it back over to Germany to finish it. Brian, speak speak to just the the importance of the price and what that low price is is doing for America and for economic development. If you go back ten years and look at the price of natural gas and look at it today, it's lower probably by a third. And so our customer's bill today is $250 a year cheaper than it was 10 years ago. That's significant. It is. And because you got not, some inflation. Not, yeah. that, not that many things are going down in yeah. price. Uh, and and when, you, when you look at that and you think, wow, how can, how can you know, something, a commodity like this, you know, be changed that drastically due to a drilling process or – uh, it really is kind of amazing. Shale gas out of Pennsylvania, we're beholden to the Pennsylvanians is maybe a good way to think of it because that gas now that used – we used to get all our – most of our gas came from Texas and the Gulf and came over, and those pipes ran through Atlanta and then north all the way to New York. Those pipes now are bidirectional. That gas will come out of the ground in Pennsylvania and run back down to Georgia. That's how much gas they have in the shale gas. So, Brian, one of the things that I've heard from uh, our clients is uh, a demand, and again, it's it's driven a lot by municipalities for biogas. And I know here in Georgia, DeKalb County uses some biogas from its landfills. Um, I've also seen uh, uh, SoCal Gas in Southern California. Um, they're working on making synthetic gas, basically taking excess renewable generation, um, turning water into oxygen and hydrogen, and then running it through this bubbler with with microbes that turns it into i mean like really cool stuff but kind of geeky is that something that you guys are actively looking at yeah as as an engineer i can accept geek and i get that um rng we call it renewable natural gas and it can come from waste from animal waste it might be hogs it might be chickens it might be cows and also landfills it's sort of what i call the silver bullet i mean it's the it's the golden standard because you're taking gas that would otherwise be going into the atmosphere, right. harming the atmosphere. You're taking it out of the atmosphere, putting it in the pipe, running it to a vehicle, and then UPS is driving around on renewed natural gas. So they have a zero carbon footprint with that. In some cases, it's actually negative. And with the positive effect right. of burning that is actually to the positive side. And, and they've targeted that. So they buy specifically 
renewable natural gas. But there's a limit to how much renewable natural gas there is, right? There is, yeah. but you know, there's still a lot that has not been tapped, and I predict it will be a big focus of the next decade. Yeah, because that's one of the things that concerns me from a business standpoint is, right, let, let's put the climate change thing aside, which, which certainly is concerning, but you have a lot of money invested in pipes. Other natural gas utilities do too. If we abandon that, that's a lot of sunk cost that that's not being utilized right so you know if we do move in that direction we've got to find ways to utilize that infrastructure and again natural gas is going to be a large part of that solution for as far as you can see and and the rng is a part of the natural gas solution all i believe we should do everything we reasonably and affordably can do to protect the environment and that includes all fuels so casey as you did this presentation for these california and other utilities I mean, how do they justify not using renewable natural gas and allowing that methane to escape out of a landfill? What's their justification there? So it's not a justification necessarily. It's a um, question, as we just talked about, of availability. So, you know, uh, I've got a client that serves the city of Austin and they want renewable natural gas. They can't do 100 percent renewable natural gas for Austin. They just don't have the supply. So it's developing those untapped potential. I'm not sure Berkeley has many hog farms. Berkeley doesn't have a lot. You know what? Let's leave it there. Uh, And any of our listeners that do know about a hog farm in Berkeley, hit us up on Twitter. At Matters Radio, you're at... I'm at at Casey Boyce. Yeah. And Brian, it's really good to have you, your expertise, your life, really adult life of work experience with AGL to shed life on this very important topic. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Y'all are fun. Thanks for the pleasure. Thanks for being here. And to you, our listeners, thank you for being a part of Energy Matters, and we'll see you next time. Gas South believes in the difference we can all make, like the difference in putting people first and showing that you care. For us, our difference is saving people money with our best rates and no deposit, and the difference we make in our community by taking care of our friends and neighbors and giving back 5% of our profits to help children in need. Learn more about what makes us different at GasSouth.com. GasSouth. The difference is good. You've heard about Jim Cars on Energy Matters. Made by Polaris in Anaheim, California. These street-legal, small electric vehicles go where golf carts are not allowed. Equipped with seatbelts, headlights, optional doors, and a tag, Jim Cars and Trucks are perfect for shuttles, corporate, or college campus use. In fact, Georgia Tech has over 100 of them. The new generation Gems have many options when selecting the battery type, onboard chargers, and enclosures to suit the climate. Go to GemCarService.com to find out more. That's G-E-M CarService.com.